Hi, this is Kayla Ambrose, and you're listening to The Kayla Ambrose Show. I'm an author, a wisdom teacher, and your travel guide to the other side. And on this show, as always, we're exploring the supernatural, the paranormal, and the metaphysical. So let's get started with the show. Today, I want to talk about the aura, specifically about the aura, how the aura connects during sex. And there's a lot of stories, there's a lot of information about the aura, of what color your aura is. And I read auras, I tell people what their aura colors are. And the thing that I go into detail with that is that it's not just one color. So if anyone tells you, hey, your aura color is red or blue, that's not exactly the full truth. Some people, that's all they can see is the one color. And I call that color your overall life color, meaning that there's a color each person has that kind of stays with them and resonates with them uh, throughout their lifetime. But you have many layers of the aura. You have the physical layer, the mental layer, the emotional layer, and the spiritual layer. There's some other layers beyond that. But for the most part in this lifetime, those are the ones you're most concerned with. Each of these layers expand and contract, change shape. Uh, sometimes one's larger than another. And the colors are different in every layer of the aura. And I call the aura emotions in motion. And the colors change all the time. So while you have one color that stays with you, mainly throughout your lifetime, those other colors are changing. And they're what tells the story, whether you're upset or happy, in love, about to get pregnant, depressed, all kinds of stories. I see karmic markers in the aura. And these imprints tell me things that are going on with you, what you brought back from past lives, things that you have imprinted into your aura to attract certain people and situations to you in order for you to uh, have that particular experience, for example, so that you can attract that energy to you and have the experience that you came back down here to learn from and to grow and to evolve. So there are imprints like that. Sometimes I see spirit guides in your aura uh, or other spirits as well. And there's just a lot going on in the aura. And if you've never heard of the aura, it's the energy body that surrounds your body. It starts first with kind of a white light that we call the etheric battery. And that's called the spirit. It's what animates the body. It's when we say there's life in the body, it's this white light. It's an etheric battery. It's what keeps the soul connected into the body. And when you die, that light goes out and the soul then leaves, rolls up uh, with the cords attached it into the body and it, the etheric battery dies and the soul departs. So even if you haven't learned to see auras yet, you can see this light in people, this etheric battery that I'm talking about. It's the light in the eyes. And that's why it said the eyes are the window to the soul. This, the spark, the light that you see in the eyes shows you the aura of the person. So if you ever want to see the first level, gaze into someone's eyes and you'll see that spark. I teach people how to see auras in my aura school and in my book, The Awakened Aura. 
And I have a pretty good success rate of getting people to learn how to see the aura, starting with first seeing the white light around the body, and then later as they practice more, seeing the other layers and colors. So you've got this energy body around you. It stays with you your whole life until, like I said, the moment of death. And then it rolls up with the soul and it leaves. And it carries everything that you've experienced in this lifetime. The only thing you don't take with you when you die is your body. The body's not important. The body falls to the ground when you die and immediately begins to degrade. But the rest of you, all the things you loved, all the people you loved, all the things you learned, all the experiences you had, all of that gets gathered into the consciousness and the soul and goes back to the other side into the higher realms where the rest of your higher self lives, where your soul is. And so each lifetime you get that information, that wisdom, that experience, and that's what you bring back with you. And it's stored in what we call your Akashic records, as well as within your higher self. So if you learn how to go within and connect with your soul when uh, you're alive, you can actually download and access this information about you, about your past lives, and about the deeper wisdom that you've learned over many lifetimes. It's fascinating, and there's a lot more that I can talk about with the aura, but we'll have to go a little bit at a time here as I peel back the layers and uh, unveil these mysteries. So the aura connects with cords, and these cords connect from the chakra into the aura. And there are three cords that connect with your higher self and your soul that come down into the body and connect into the body in different parts, the heart chakra being one of them, where the soul then rests. And information is fed back and forth. What you're doing here gets transferred like a cord up through the realms into your higher self. And so you're constantly sending and receiving information. This is where ideas come from. This is where previous knowledge comes from. Experience, communication from the other side. All of it travels back and forth through these cords. When you go to sleep at night, you're like a computer downloading information. It travels from you through these cords and gets uploaded up into your higher self on the other side. It's a pretty amazing process when you think about how it all really works. It's probably where we got the idea to create the internet. <laughs> Looking into our higher consciousness and seeing how these things are made. So a very strong cord is made when you're in the body and you have the umbilical cord that connects you to your mother as you're in the womb. And then a strong cord is created between the mother and child during that time. This cord goes on to get stronger, and the more years you're connected, the stronger each cord becomes. This is why we call it the family ties that bind. Uh, as you grow up in your family with your parents and your brother and sister and other siblings and family you have, each connection you have to a person creates a cord. Now, if it's a person you spend a lot of time with, that you have a great love for, uh, you're connected with, the cords get stronger and stronger. 
you have a cord that reaches out to them. They have a cord that reaches out to you. And these cords connect. They're kind of like plants. If you've ever seen ivy and or a stalk of a plant that's growing and the little tendrils of the stalk come out and then they catch on to something like ivy does. Those tendrils reach out and they connect to a fence or a tree and then they start growing up the side of the tree or covering the fence. The cords do the same thing. They connect and they wrap around each other and they get thicker and stronger. This is why many times we talk about mother's intuition and it's really that the cord is so tight between the mother and the child that they can feel each other's energy stronger. And so a mother can feel when her child is upset or in danger or sad. There are stories of this even when sons were sent off to war and now daughters too. And the mother would feel something was wrong with her child even though they were halfway around the world and know that something had happened like when they were shot or injured. These cords are very strong. And so you create these cords with your family, and that's where that came from, the saying, family ties that bind. And then also, when you grow up, they say, oh, the mother's cutting the cord, loosening the apron strings. And what they're really referring to are the cords in the aura, that those cords have to be cut for the child then to become an adult and to uh, go out into the world and not be as connected. So the cords aren't really completely severed, but the, there's a loosening of them. And as there's less energy spent at home and more being an adult on your own, the cord remains attached, but it grows thinner. It's not being fed and receiving the same energy like it was when you were a child and connected. And so then as you create new friendships, those cords become connected. And the more energy you put into a friendship, the stronger they get. Uh, and those are bonds. We call them bonded with that person, brotherly bonds, uh, the bonds of friendship. And then when we fall in love, we create cords as well that attach. And these cords during love are very strong. And because we open up so deeply in an emotional way, uh, we connect cords from different chakras with this person because in these relationships, we're also physical. We are having uh, sex with this person. So we're connecting in, in the most uh, intimate way possible in the physical world, as well as in the mental, emotional, and spiritual world, if you're doing it right. And I say right, meaning if you're doing it where you're really making love and not just having intercourse. And there is a big difference. And that's a concern right now in the world because a lot of people have forgotten the importance of that and just think of sex as a physical activity. And a lot of people are thinking that it's okay to see it just as recreational. And if that's your preference, certainly you're right to do so. But it does have an effect on your aura and it does have an effect on your chakras and it does have an effect where your prana, your chi, your energy goes every day. And so when you're doing it more recreationally and just at the physical layer and level, you are degrading that chi, that energy. And eventually that begins to affect you. It lowers your energy vibration and can make you have less energy and not feel as happy. And 
the more partners you have, if you continue to do so on that way, where it's more of just a physical activity and a small connection otherwise, it does drain your energy and it drains uh, what we call the vital energy out of the chakras. And then that is then felt and seen in the aura. Now, it doesn't mean that you have to have one partner your whole life, but it means do you choose partners that you have a deep connection to? And so when you connect with a partner in a loving relationship or as a lover, depending on how quickly it goes from meeting that person to sleeping with that person has a big effect on the aura and chakras. So when you first meet a person and you're physically attracted to them, you desire them, you have, let's say, a lust for them. You don't really know them as a person. You just are attracted. You feel a chemistry. You feel a hormonal connection to, I like that person. That person's attractive. Uh, I'd like to be with them. So if you go from that into having sex with them on a fairly quickly basis, then what happens is the first chord that connects is the second chakra, which is also referred to as the sexual chakra. And so the cord from that chakra reaches out and the cord from their second chakra reaches out and those two say, hey, uh, let's connect. And so if you go quickly then into having sex with that person, that's where you connect at the second chakra. Now, what happens then is that's the strong, that's the cord that's getting the strongest, that's getting the most energy. So there's a lot of energy being pulled and pushed back and forth there. And it then takes longer for the energy and the consciousness to rise between each person. Usually what happens after that point is if you meet a person and you have sex with them pretty quickly and people are always asking me to find time. So pretty quickly is in the first month of knowing them. Now, if you've met this person for the first time and you spent all that month really getting to know them without engaging sexually with them and you're just talking, you're spending time with them, you're doing things with them, having experiences, and you really, really get to connect with that person, what you're doing is opening up the other chakras. You're allowing what started as a hormonal chemistry attraction to then go up the other chakras. You engage in the third chakra, which is the seat of will and willpower. And you may have a test of wills with this person who's going to be the strong-willed one. You may argue with them. You may have serious discussions where you find out what they're strong about some of their beliefs, what you're strong about, what you disagree on, as well as what you agree on, and what you may argue and not get along with. That's important in that third chakra. Those cords are connected and you learn, can there be balance? Can we pick our battles? Can we have disagreements and disagree as well on topics, but still treat each other respectfully and sometimes let it be their way and sometimes let it be our way can you do both and then you connect up in the throat chakra the more you talk the more you communicate the more you're sharing ideas and thoughts and opinions and history 
And so the throat chakra cord begins to connect as the two of you begin to express yourselves. It also is connecting there uh, through kissing. So during this time, and again, I say a month, which isn't a perfect unit of time, because if you've only gone on a date with a person once a week for a month and only seen them for a couple hours each time that week, that's not a lot to go on. If you're seeing and talking with that person almost every day since you've met them and really going deep sharing and communicating and getting to know each other, as well as spending time in the physical, then a lot of the other chakras are able to connect. Now, when I say this, I repeat in the physical, because if this is a person you met online on a dating app and all you're doing is texting with them, talking on the phone, maybe uh, doing a FaceTime or Zoom, that is not the same. It has to be in the physical where the two cords are able to connect in the physical and where you're really seeing that person completely, not just through video. You have to be spending whole days with them where you see when they get tired or hungry or irritable or how they do driving in a car or they get upset because someone in their family calls them and you need to see the real person with all of their experiences, not just who they're attempting to be to show you their best side on the phone or in a, a, a video. So if you're really spending a lot of time, it can be done in a month. If you're not, it's going to take a lot longer. And so next then the heart chakra opens. You begin to have deeper feelings for this person because you do have the attraction there chemically, but then you've opened up and shared uh, with this person about yourself and they've shared about themselves and you've gone and dated and done things together where you've had time to see what the other person's like and connect with them. And so the heart chakra then opens and that cord comes out and then that cord begins to connect, which we call the beginning feelings of falling in love. You may be at that point where you want to say it, but you're scared to say it because you don't know how the other person feels yet. But when the feeling gets too strong in the heart chakra, you won't be able to stop it. it. You may blurt it out in excitement, or you finally just have to say it because you feel it so strong. Now, if you're really spending time with this person in their physical base and looking into their eyes a lot and maybe kissing them a lot, you're going to start to feel how they feel by looking through their eyes. And so those are the windows to the soul. That's how you really see what the person is feeling. Then at that point, when these connections have made through third chakra, fourth chakra, fifth chakra, the sixth chakra starts to open up where you get more intuitive with the other person. And this is how, when you meet couples who have been together for a long time, these cords are so strong that they know what the other person's thinking. They can reach out to the other person and that person can feel them thinking about them and reaches out. They can finish each other's sentences. They kind of instinctually know what the other person likes. These cords, when they're connected and are given time then uh, to grow and connect in this way, become very strong and very healthy. And so then if the last thing you do after you've connected these other cords is to have physical intercourse, to have sex, the difference is widely felt. 
because those other chords are so strong that now there's a deeper connection when you go to have intercourse because now it's making love. And it's called making love because the heart chakra is connected with those chords and the other chakras are connected and you're truly seeing the person who they are and they're seeing you for who you are. There's what's called a knowing. And so there's a deeper connection. And then when you make love, that chord then gets stronger and more connected. When you do this the other way and you start early on having having sex, you've, you've talked to the person, you've got to know them a little, you've been on some dates, but you really, really haven't connected at that level. Now, some people might think they do because they fall in love easily, as they say, but that's not really falling in love. That's infatuation. That's wanting to be in love with love. That's loving love so much that you will agree that you feel in love because you just want it so bad and so much. So you kind of fall in love with the drop of a hat, but you can fall out of love just as easily unless you're infatuated um, and just wanting to be with someone so bad that you'll hold on to that feeling, trying to make it real, but it's not really real. It's more of a compulsion to want to make it real. And that's an infatuation. But otherwise, most people at this point, if they have sex early on, know they're not in love, but they're in, in love with the idea of potentially being in love with this person. And they feel the chemistry and they've told themselves that sex is just fun. It's recreational. It just feels good to the body. And they're not really thinking about the, those other deeper connections. And so they have sex and they feel that rush of excitement and energy. And then they will go on their way. They may continue to see the person. They may not. But there are different horm hormones that chemically are affected when you have sex. And these are different between men and women. And I encourage you to go look this up, to Google the difference, and to see what hormones are affected when women especially make love. It opens some energy centers within the woman that can cause her to feel very emotional and feel very different afterwards. And I know women are trying to move past this and enjoy sex for sex sake. And again, I have no problem with this. If that's what something you enjoy doing, uh, you should do it. And most everyone I know has engaged in that in one way or another at one time in our life at the, at the other. In my early 20s, I definitely explored those type of things. I called it my sexplorations, just wanting to know what certain things felt like and would be like. So no judgment here. And you'll find the more you listen to me, if you're a student of mine, if you come to me for a private coaching consultation, or you take my classes or you work with me, you will find I don't judge. Everyone is on their own path and needs to do and explore what they need to do. And no one can truly know another soul completely or judge a soul because we all come down here with a destiny and with things to learn and do to grow from. So we have all done things in the past 
that now we may not uh, choose to do again. And not just in, the, in this lifetime, but in other lifetimes. When we know better or differently, then we do better or differently. So each lifetime, we do things and we learn and then we understand the deeper meanings, and then we decide, does this feel good? Does this still feel right? Is this still working for us? Or is it time to do something different? That's part of change. Change is inevitable. It's the only constant in life. And so what I'm trying to explain here today is not judging if you're in that part of your life where you enjoy it just for the physical energy and ramifications, but if you decide to do differently in the future, or for those of you who are decided or have decided, I want to explain what's happening in the aura and in the cords and in these connections so that you understand the deeper meaning of what making love is versus having sex. And they are very different. Now, you could be with one partner and have been for them for decades, but you still might only be having sex. Maybe because that partner never really emotionally connected or opened up to you or bonded with you or shares with you in that very deep, intimate way. So it's not about just having one person, one partner, that type of thing. It's about, is the person willing to connect with you on that deep emotional, mental, spiritual, and physical level? And are they really seeing you and are you truly seeing them back through the eyes of love, through the eyes of understanding, through all the cords of the chakras, into the heart chakra, into the intuitive chakra, understanding all of those things and still loving that person anyway. Now here's what's fascinating if you do this. When you truly connect through all the chakras and then open them, and connect with the other person, and their cords connect to yours, it begins to create ripples throughout the aura, both for you and the other person. And the auras attune to each other and kind of understand, this is my person. This is the person I'm connected with. And there's a saying that couples who have been together a long time start to look like each other. And a lot of study has gone into this through the aura, that those shared beliefs and emotions and connections and love through the aura actually begin to affect even at the physical layer. And so it can reflect kind of how those two people look alike. Each time you're with a person that you spend so much time with, your partner that you're in love with, your aura and their aura are commingling. And their thoughts, their words, their actions are being felt through your cords into your aura and vice versa. So you'll want to think about this in a very profound way. Because if this person is negative or angry a lot or not in their best place, you're going to feel that too. You're going to carry that burden. You're going to have that energy seep into you. And the same for however you're feeling, you're spreading that into your partner as well. And this is why as some people grow and change and evolve in a relationship, they no longer feel the connection with the person. What happens is their aura 
whether their energy level is going way up and they're evolving in a good way and they're getting lighter, they may feel the connection severing because the energy they're emitting is now too high for the other person. So it's not able to go through those cords. And the energy that the person on the other side is emitting is at a low is such in a lower vibration that it's not really able to raise up and go through the cords of the other persons who have evolved higher. It kind of gets blocked and, and dies off there. The higher level energy won't let it through. So there starts to be a disconnect. And so that's why when you hear about a lot of divorces or breakups and one person says they just felt estranged or not connected to the other person, that's actually what's happening in the cords and in the aura. One person's interest and thoughts and energy is focused on a different direction that's no longer aligned with the others. Sometimes it's because one person's leveled up. Sometimes it's because one person's leveled down. And sometimes it's because people come together for a reason, a season or a lifetime. And that reason or season may be over. And so their energy is being drawn and attracted to completely different new experiences and the other person's path, destiny, experience, experiential energy is being drawn to a different one. Now, in the future, when we can understand this better, we will understand it more of why it's called consciously uncoupling, where you're just meant to go in two separate ways. But right now, we're still too connected to that feeling of being in love and infatuation and wanting it to last forever because we've been told that's what's successful and that if you don't continue that, you're a failure. So we see so many people who stay in broken relationships and broken marriages who don't leave because they've been told it's shameful to get a divorce or that their religion has told them it's wrong or that there's vows that say you must keep this. But the vows of death to us part are not necessarily death of the physical body. They can be death of the connection. They can be where those cords have severed because they're not there anymore and there's no way to revive them. There's no way to bring them back. It's gone beyond therapy or talking it out or reconnecting or both parties wanting to try. It's been severed. This is different than a long-term marriage or relationship where anyone who's been in a relationship for any amount of time knows that there are ups and downs. There are times when you're happier and times when you feel full, further apart in your relationship. And many marriages can get past that. They understand that it's a cycle and they feel the love and the connection that's still there. It's just a little thinner at the moment. But the people come back around, the connection is still there and valued and it grows back again. And when they ride through those cycles, the love usually even gets stronger, the cords get stronger. So it's not, a, oh, I think I'm feeling this. Okay, the cord's broken. You really 
it takes time and you feel it over time as it starts to dilute. And then one or both parties are aware that it's not coming back. In the future, when we understand this, there'll be a more conscious understanding and acceptance of this, that that relationship is ended and it's time for a new experience. But right now, we've based, as I've talked about in previous things, we've based things on a very patriarchal understanding that women were chattel and property that were kind of traded into marriage. And then once we move past some of that belief, it still was that the woman was secondary. Uh, She was brought into the marriage and really couldn't have a career. That was her obligation, and she had no money of her own, no power of her own, no way to leave if it wasn't a good situation, nowhere to go. It was so long ago in this country, and it still is in parts of this country, that divorced women are treated differently. And some religions continue with that and to mistreat women in that way. And some groups do as well. And so it was important for a woman to have to be accepting and take whatever was offered to her, how much or how little, based on the fact that she really couldn't make any other changes or have anywhere else to go. And so now the face of connection and love and marriage and relationships are altering because women now have equal power, equal rights in many ways, that they can get a divorce, that they can go on to make money and take care of themselves. So they don't have to stay in a bad relationship just because there's no other way to have a home and have money. And so everything is changing right now where people are coming together for reasons of just wanting to be together. And both parties have to bring things to the table to keep it alive and interesting. And this is where people really are beginning to understand that relationships take work. You don't just fall in love and bingo, there it is. It's happily ever after. You fall in love and then you have to nurture it just like a plant, just like a garden. You have to nurture the relationship. You have to tend to it like a gardener. You have to water it and feed it and care for it and give it light and give it, you know, everything that it needs. And so this is both parties now in the relationship. So these cords that are connected have to be strengthened and have to have energy put into them to make the other person feel loved and cherished. Otherwise, the relationship will die on the vine uh, because the cords are not getting that attention and that energy coming through them. I could probably talk for another six hours explaining more about this and what happens uh, at each chakra with the cords of energy. But as always, time flies. Here we are at the end of another show. I'd like to remind you, if you're interested in these shows, please click the subscribe button on iTunes. I'm not sure what it is on Spotify. I think it's like to click on there, however you're listening to me, Google Podcasts, wherever you are, please do whatever it says to do on there so that you'll get updates if you like this show and know when I'm back with a new one. 
And most importantly, please come sign up for my free newsletter on my website, exploreyourspirit.com. It's how I can continue to communicate with you. I'm on social media, but I really love to communicate most through my newsletter where I share upcoming shows, courses, my books, things I'm blogging about, answering questions. It's really the best way to find out more information. So exploreyourspirit.com. I hope to see you there. Sign up and then say hello. And thanks as always for listening to the show. I hope you're enjoying these episodes. And I have an Ask Kayla question that I'm going to be doing on the shows. So if you have a question, feel free to go to the website at exploreyourspirit.com and go to contact us, send in your Ask Kayla question, and I'll be picking some of those to talk about here on the show. I'm wishing you all the best in love, in life, and in everything that you deem important. Be well.